Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. I was just reminded, I don't know why I used to, from the time that I was, the Lord came I, uh, in my life and I was born again, I was, uh, the church, the missionaries touched me for what came from the Baptist uh, tradition. And so I went to a Baptist university and got some training as a pastor. So there were other subjects also that I was able to take. But I remember the hymn that we used to sing quite often. And it says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, how safe am I? Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. At me when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Say, love is lifting me. Love is a power, it's it's emanates from the glory. So, the more we worship and thank and praise Him, the Lord lifts you up and gives you impartation and strength and glory. It's, it's wonderful. And today, we are surrounded by the vibration, Isaiah 53, that don't, don't, I mean, get it where it's, this is in me. Wherever I go, this is real, and I can impart it to others. Surely he has borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But, there was something happening. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, by his stripes we are healed. There is an exchange and there is a transference. There is a supernatural from the glory. You have to do it by faith. And from glory to glory you will see the most awesome. And may you continue. Don't forget, if you are able to, if God gives you grace, write down, even if it's a one line or two lines, don't forget, every day if God gives you something supernatural intervention where you were able to give some word to a lady passing by or, or a waitress or have a word, encouraging word for a policeman or something, whatever happens, just release it, living word, living vibration to you. We are going to look at this next few weeks we have been just, we have started, but I wanted, I really felt like we don't just take it by perchance kind of thing by accident, but we aggressively look, for example, that certain creeds have power for the church, for you, and for, for our nation as we claim God, the Jesus 
for example, it's an important confession we make. Jesus is Lord over the United States of America. Communism will not be Lord. Socialism is not the Lord. Jesus Christ. Say Jesus is Lord over the United States of America. And so we bind every spirit of socialism, communism, every spirit. There are parents who are having struggles because the government wants to give them their child who is not, not even, I mean, 12 years old, 10 years old, and they want to, some of them, some of the things I'm hearing and seeing, they want to grab children and give them hormones. If he's a little male, they want to give him female because he sometimes said something. And it's, it's really daily we have to exercise faith. And we're going to exercise faith not only for my children, but your children. And not just our children, other children. That the spirit, it's a spirit, I believe, who wants to take our children. Well, we want to say to the enemy, you take your hands off my child. My child belongs to Jesus. He belongs to the church. He belongs to my family. Get your blankety-blank hands off my kid. Amen? Blankety-blank means precious in the eyes of God and other things. No. <laughs> but it, we, there is a kind of spirit we need to come into because if we don't say, no way are you going to touch my kids and no way are you going to te teach them false philosophies in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And Pastor, I appreciate you, you know, always um, incorporating the immediate dynamics and the realities of our natural and physical and, in fact, political world as we're worshiping together. Because for too long, the church has made a divining wall, a separation in the categories of human life and existence. And one of the primary things that especially the Protestant contemporary church has kicked out is the whole realm of politics. And there is certainly more than ever before a need for the intervention of the finished work, the power of the cross to be manifest in our government systems, in the lives of the human beings and individuals that have those powers because it is the ultimate governing power, what Jesus has done at the cross. Amen. And it's, so as we enunciate the Apostles' Creed, realize that something supernatural is happening, that you are naming the name of Jesus, you are claiming your home as Jesus' territory. Jesus is Lord over your home. Jesus is Lord over your Ford, Chevrolet, whatever, <laughs> whatever you're driving, you claim it. This belongs to Jesus. Devil, we take your hands off in Jesus' name. If there is anything, I mean, just whether you see it or not, just for the heck of it, you're going to declare the name of Jesus over that territory, over your bedroom, over your kitchen. I mean, don't think you are being silly. There is time. There are certain things you don't see. There were way back, way, way, way back in the early 70s. I, I, that's when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
I was born again supernaturally, but afterwards, nobody told me. And I, you know, uh, it was after some years later that I got filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, the reality of the kingdom of darkness. So I, there was a season where I could see spiritual beings more often than I wanted to. And demonic powers. Where I, and, and then it was, I said, Lord, this is bothering me a little. He said, well, I felt like the Lord impressed me. I didn't have to see it, but he wanted to, for me to go through that season where these things are real. And uh, there were people who have come here because they are, there was a season where a lot of young people were going, being attacked by the spirit of anorexia, where I prayed for a lot of young ladies who we brought here, and they, were, they thought they were fat. I mean, some voice would tell them they're fat, and they were dying of malnutrition. There was, I mean, slowly, there were the skeletons. But she, that girl, would think she was fat, 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 and we had to cast out an entity that made her whisper to it, made it real that she was fat. It was uh, we had to take authority. So I'm just kind of telling you there are things that we have to our struggle. By the the apostle says is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So there are shadows that are around. We take authority over them. <laughs> Sometimes you may feel like a fool doing it, but do it in the name of Jesus. Sanctify the atmosphere. And there is power. Remember, there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power. And it's not silly to emphasize that and, and enunciate that. So there's a part of the, um, the Apostles' Creed that we have been saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. So you have, you, you can be generic if you want, but you know that you know. You have a heavenly Father. Say Father. Father. Who loves you. Who gave his son to die for you. So, who, and who is he? He's a maker of heaven and earth. And I, believe, and I have believed in Jesus Christ. His only son, our Lord. So Jesus is, is not like the regular, I mean, he is the son of the living God. And he is the savior who went through all of this. So the next line, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So that's when Mary says, be it unto me according to your word. And we have looked at those things a little closely during the time of, the, during the time of Christmas. Who was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary. So that's where these, some of these characters come in. And we know Virgin Mary, at this time in history, she was born. Her husband was Joseph. But before the, is the time that they were engaged, the angel of the Lord visited and said, You are blessed. You're going to give birth to a, a child, the Son of God. And uh, who was he? Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, and last week, Bonnie took some time to enunciate that. That he, what was that? He suffered under Pontius Pilate. I mean, he was 
bothered by those hypocrites and then uh, they sent to arrest him. He was whipped during that time and it says today, we, I just want to let, take a few moments to say, to look at that time. He was crucified, say crucified, crucified. Dead, dead and buried. So why why have to say that? Because there were cults previous part of not all of there were other times that people would talk about this was fate. Uh, he didn't really die. He was faking it. And I mean it's really evil and nasty that they would um, talk about Jesus. He really didn't do all of this stuff. He was um then virgins don't give birth and all. So, I mean, wherever they could throw doubt, there were satanic spirits that spoke through certain humans and then over, the spirit would take over cults. But that's why they saw the need to say, you may say, well, it's, it is necessary. Yep, because there have been people who have attacked these things and these are essential that we believe, we know that we know that we know. I mean, God gave me, and I'm sure many others who got supernaturally came to know the Lord. Supernaturally, the Word of God was revealed to them. And some, they just, when the invitation is given, the Lord says, get up there. And you go and receive Jesus Christ. In various different ways that you receive the Lord. But you know that you know that you know that and I'm saying this is who you are, who we need to walk into that truth that no one can take that away from you. You are born again. You know Jesus Christ is Lord. And I carry his name and any spirit that would come try to attack me, fear, whatever, get out in Jesus' name. You have to do some battle and realize the authority of Jesus because he has authority, you have authority. And you go and uh, exalt the name of Jesus. So we have um, certain nations we have visited where uh, women were alone. And they got, the spirit would come and they would say, no way, my, my Savior is with me. You are not going to torment me with fear or etc. whatever else. But... Uh, here today with Jesus, part of the Apostles' Creed, he, I know that I know, he was crucified. And so something happened. While he was crucified, what? He was suffering, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, so they nailed him to the cross. He hung up there for a certain amount of time and said, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? But it was part of the suffering. He felt totally forsaken for our sake so that you would know that you know God loves you through Jesus Christ. You are accepted. You are born again. You have eternal life in you. And so Jesus was crucified. And at that time, what happened? Something glorious that you are going to base your life and your faith in that I am not afraid. Jesus is Lord. He was crucified. So, devil, you're not going to put this oppression on me. You will not put this oppression on my children. You will not 
put your, this oppression on this innocent person. And then that's on this basis that is one of, among the points, but I would say, go forth and tell that person, you need Jesus. We need to do, I mean, I'm apologizing. The Lord had to train me where I would say, you want to receive Jesus? I think you better. <laughs> and the people would receive Jesus, and you said, now you have repented and received Jesus. You've turned your back on the kingdom of darkness. Let's get you baptized in water. If you can, help them, guide them. Where This is one of the places we have where we can, we have water, we can baptize them. Where <laughs> Bonnie and I were in the Congo, there was the Congo River. I didn't know where, where else to find water. And the Lord really, literally I heard him say, you dummy, I put a tank out there. And that was the Congo River. And we took advantage of it. It was awesome. It was loaded with miracles. And you'll find sometimes as you lead them, that, and as they get baptized in water, sometimes they immediately get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes you pray would get them zapped by the power of the Holy Spirit. So they are anointed, they are empowered. Jesus, so part of the uh, Apostles' Creed, saying he was crucified, dead, and buried. Say crucified, crucified. Dead, dead, and buried. buried. So there were certain cults, let me say, that, hanging around in the Middle East and other places, but we'll say, no, he, he really wasn't dead. They took him away from the tomb. And, and that's a cult. I know that I know that Jesus died. Why? Because, because he died. When I, it's time for me to meet my Savior, I will just, no fear of death. Because Jesus has made ready the heavenly courts for me to enter in. Praise God. So, he was crucified, dead, and buried. But as this happens, amazing things like Isaiah 53 and uh, the, the, one of our favorites, Colossians chapter 1 in the Message Bible. We look at the sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose and everything created. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, Visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything God started in him and finds its places, purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. So in these scriptures that you realize how wonderful your Lord and Savior and Master and Captain, how wonderful he is that you are looking forward to one day meeting him unless he, you go to live at the time when he comes riding on a horse. And when it comes to the church, it says he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning. And reading, leading the resurrection parade, he's supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People, things, animals, and atoms get properly fixed, fit together in vibrant harmonies, 
all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. So here is a little amplification of he was crucified, dead, and buried. And then on the third day, he was resurrected. So over the next few weeks, we'll be kind of hovering around some of these words and say what it means. And so it's reality. It's reality not only for you, though, but for others. So it is possible, I would say, may it be happen that God uses you to bring others to Jesus Christ. Whether you stand before thousands, whether you stand before one person, that person Jesus died for and rose again. That the, the, I don't want to have it incomplete. In here is he was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. So say the third day, the third day. He, rose he rose again from the dead. So during this time of hanging on the cross, he is dealing with our what we are, all of us, this oppression of sin. That's the chief human problem. And the cure is what? Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried. Sin deals with this problem. Jesus exchanged his, he put himself between you and judgment. And say, so if you take, you've got to take me first, in a sense, if I can and you have a covenant with the living God. Water baptism is an aspect of covenant that you, you have cut covenant with the living God. And you repented. You, repentance means turning your back, going forward into something, turning your back on something else. Turning your back on sin. Turning your back on rebellion. Turning your ba back on witchcraft and sorcery. My God is a living God. His name the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, is my captain. I mean, some of these things, we just, not only do we believe it, you carry it. The truth is part of your life. Uh, and so that dead, crucified, dead, and buried is a summation of what else. What else? is? It's millions of stuff, like the healing for my son's kidney. Or it can be the deliverance from, uh, we have seen so many who were so oppressed for years by addiction. And we have seen bodies affected as they get delivered from this torment of years. There are many who are in prison right now, I would say. If, you, uh, if I heard their story, I've got to tell you. That they started, someone started them on drugs. Oh, let's, you'll enjoy, it's a small thing. And we know, we've heard from some how they started. And they are so tormented, they can't be free. The thing will not let them go until you take authority. You come in and say, this is an addiction. It's a spirit. But I've got good news for you. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you can be delivered. And do you want to be free right now? And Bring it to a conclusion if you can. Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. So water baptism, it doesn't mention here, but it is one of the most powerful weapons. You'll find it. 
There have been times where I've just done the water baptism. As they come out, they are baptized. They are singing in tongues or talking in tongues. And I would say, wait a minute. I have not prayed for you yet to receive Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Lord goes ahead of you. And these are supernatural things, but wonderful things. And they have been earned for that person because Jesus suffered on Calvary. And these blessings are now yours. And you can pray for others who are sincerely Wanting a new life, they will get that. And there are people now give you know the hard testimony. Some of the worst people who who did some of the worst things, when they get delivered, they get delivered. It is so wonderful to see their lives change. So uh, you find in First Corinthians that me. Go to First Corinthians. First Corinthians one. And Lord says, But to those who are, but we pre- preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hallelujah. And uh, Jesus himself, by the way, Hebrews 7.27 says that as Jesus offered himself, this is the one of the unique things, Jesus himself is the supreme high priest. And he becomes at this time not only the high priest who offered himself, but then the offering is him, Jesus himself also. So the the offering and the one who makes the offering. They're both united in Christ Jesus uh, and he becomes a complete, total sacrifice because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Uh, so you may think, so, what, what, this seems silly. Jesus hung on the cross, he took all of that, but there is power in that word and in that promise. All those doubting spirits, was, I want to tell you, they will go away. I've seen that happen so often. And the sacrifice of Jesus was a perfect sacrifice, the complete sacrifice, a forever sacrifice. One time he gave himself, but that applies forever. Throughout the centuries, that's the promise. Uh, and they, the person themselves, have to, has to appropriate it by faith. They don't need, need I mean, the often, and the proof sometimes the Lord will do it will be, I mean, we have been in certain meetings that everyone who was crippled would, would be healed. Or there would be masses of barren women who would get pregnant. It was just, there was, this was all done at Calvary. So we have to comprehend and believe. And there'll be more. Wow, God, you did this and you did this. And uh, not only do you see the cross and the blessings, but then the next time, appropriate it. This is for you. 
Jesus did it for you. And you are going to pray where people are oppressed or hurting or the, the devil has tried to rob them. Stand in the gap for them and say, Jesus has set you free. And this is part the word of God that the Lord has provided all these promises and by his stripes you will heal. Uh, the poverty curse, for example, we speak people's, that the curse, all the curses are broken. If you, Lord quickens them, that's fine, but uh, to speak them. The other thing I wanted to just uh, stop in a moment. Uh, but we'll go to Proverbs. When you are in battle, Proverbs 4, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. So you're saying the same thing. No. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart. Why? Because they are life to those who find them. And health. Say health. Health. Say it again. Health. Say it again. Health. Health to all your flesh. So if you are going through an attack, I was one time, one of my trips, I was supposed to take certain anti-malarial tablets that everybody goes who does not live regularly in Africa has, should take those. But I forgot. And I got attacked by malaria. It was cerebral malaria. So it goes, it's the most excruciating pain in your head. And I said, I don't have any medicine. I took this Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. I want you to make, make sure that you write it down. My son, give attention to my words. Now, what are the words? By his stripes, I am healed. God sent his word to heal them and deliver them from all their destruction. These are some of the promises God has given you. You are going to appropriate them and cast out anything that is opposing them. So that is, it's God's, you may be out there, way out in the boonies. You may not be able to get medicine, whatever. It doesn't matter. This is one of the key scriptures I've found in our lives. It's God's medicine bottle. You, you, wherever you are, your Bible, or you can memorize this, so it, wherever it is, you are, you have memorized it. The Bible has told me, pay attention to his words. Say his words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart. And then he explains 
for their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. People watching us on the world web also, I want to say, take this Proverbs 4, chapter 4, verses 20 and through 22. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart for their life. Say life. To those who find them. And health. Say health. To all their flesh. Now, among the ones, who, uh, we have used it many times, many of us. Brother, uh, my wonderful teacher, their brother Derek Prince, he was attacked while he was serving in the army of Montgomery in the British army during the time of the Second World War. But he was in an isolated place in the deserts of Ethiopia, in those areas. And he got so afflicted by a skin disease all over his body that there, was, there seemed to be no medicine that would touch it. And the Lord gave him this as his prescription. He just couldn't get healed. And it was a terrible affliction all over his body. That made you scratch, scratch, scratch all the time. And he just partook of it. This is a breakfast, lunch, supper, tea time. This was his food. But the Word of God will be your medicine. If you are struggling, if your husband, if your child does not have respite, or you just take, tell them to lie down in bed and you're going to read this word over and over. But don't forget it. It's a key scripture. They'll go with you wherever you are. And that's, I'm going to, I can take this medicine, can I have a teaspoon of this, but I'm going to take as often as I can this medicine, Proverbs 4, Verses 20 through 22. And remember, in all of these things that we have shared, faith is one of the primary factors. You're going to work on your faith. By faith, I believe I am healed. By faith, so-and-so is healed in the name of Jesus. And that's part of our job description, is whenever someone comes here and says, will you lay hands on me? We are going to believe for total healing and deliverance. So, all of this points us to what? Jesus Christ was crucified, dead, and buried on the basis of what he did on the cross. I'm claiming the healing. Did you? Um, and Pastor Mahesh, just, you know, because of time, we can continue again next week. Um, on this. I'll say a couple of things and then we have um, something that I was reminded last week that there is an art form that actually has depicted what happened at the cross rather effectively and it specifically is through film through media but for this morning a couple of additional things for the first 1,000 years the theology of the cross for the Christian church was specifically victory over the devil. And 
it was understood as the beginning of that conquest of the fulfillment of God's prophecy to the woman in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.15, where he said, that God said, your seed will crush Satan under his feet. And then that victory over the devil begun in earnest in the manifestation of Jesus' life and ministry with his casting out of demons and healing the sick, both of which were considered oppression by the devil. And then the conquest achieved at the cross, Hebrews 2 says, that through death he, Jesus, might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who... through the fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And then uh, what we'll, we'll get to in the next week or so, as we move towards Easter and Passover, which once again are converging on the calendar, which is very interesting, conquest, victory over the devil, confirmed and announced in the resurrection of Jesus um, from the grave. But we see in the cross the creator assuming human fragility of his own creatures. And this is so significant in the exchange of making it a divine and legal uh, proposition that actually works, that the eternal one entered into time, that the all-powerful one made himself vulnerable, and this is how he becomes the high priest for human beings, that he suffered in every way like regular mortal human beings. You and I suffer every day in every kind of either physical assaults from disease or of violence, frankly, or emotional or mental frame. Jesus was exposed to that, for, to literally temptation from the devil through lust and various things. He was exposed to the complete frailty. And of course, there's nothing more fragile than a baby being born in a womb and then that little helpless child being given over to the care of human beings. And in Jesus' case, his parents were from the poorest class, so they had the least amount of the kinds of provision that would make a life secure. And we know that at the time, within uh, a few months, if not a couple of years, up until possibly the time that Jesus was about two years old. Obviously, he was completely dependent on whatever protections and provisions his parents could provide for him uh, until he was at least 12 years old, but certainly as a child and as a, a baby. And Herod, the king, um, went about to execute, to murder um, all of the male children. So we see... Um, the all-powerful one making himself vulnerable. The holy one exposed himself to temptation. And finally, the immortal one died. So this was a physical and spiritual death, and it was the literal end of everything. It was not just the end of Christ's life as a mortal, but because he was the God-man, fully God, fully human, the crucifixion, When he said, it is finished, he was speaking cosmically of what was to come as the last Adam died, and in him we died in a mystery 2,000 years ago. Everyone after the resurrection who 
believes and, uh, and steps into this gift of salvation that is offered by God, we literally were transferred back into his body on the cross where we and our sin in us died in him. And with it, the judgment against all sin died in it. The whole corruption of all of creation died. So it's not even just for the human race, but it's literally what happened in the garden when thorns and thistles and the sweat of the brow and all of those things began and the breakdown of human relationships, that, that literal corruption of man removing himself from complete harmony, relationship, reconciliation with God as father and family. When that occurred, there was a great disruption in the entirety of creation, including all of the flora and fauna and the animals and all of those things. And all of that in the creator who became like one of his creatures, that corruption that was there, it all died when Jesus ceased to live in his body. And it was also a Trinitarian work because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The father gave, the son gave himself, and it says that Jesus offered himself up by the spirit and then he was raised from the dead by the Father through the Spirit. So we see it's all God working in this work of redemption that is centered, literally, the crux, the cross, the crucifixion. And um, I, I heard a, a preacher putting it like this. This one who died was the liberator, the coming judge, the savior, the supreme lord the head of the church and so like daniel saw the son of man it wasn't just a mortal that daniel saw but daniel's revelation was setting forth a brand new paradigm and this was about the fulfillment of all of the messianic promises that had been given to Israel. And why is that important? It was because it was to Israel as a nation and to the Jewish people that the living God actually began to reveal himself and reveal the fact that he had a plan to enter into human society with a message of good news and literally redeem man back to himself. And it was after the first 1,000 years or so in this understanding that the cross was the victory over the devil that it also began to be understood through scripture that it was a penal satisfaction for God's wrath against sin and that substitutionary sacrifice uh, for man in his inability to um, save himself. And then just lastly, I would like to say the cross in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul, he speaks more to more than just the law. He speaks to the human philosophies and um, frankly dismisses the legalism then that was, was imposed upon the human race in order to save yourself through acts of righteousness. And it, it was laid out to prove that there was no human effort that could actually redeem a man but there had to be a sinless sacrifice in order to make that exchange and in Paul's letter in Colossians 
I, I just said here, the cross proposes that we live in a moral universe. And this is one of the places where our salvation and the reality of the message of the cross also enters into our political life and to our governance, our, the, the realm of human governance. And that was one of the reasons that Jesus confronted or was confronted by the Jewish religious governmental hierarchy, which was primarily seen as religious, but included King Herod and that whole governance system, and by the Romans, the, Roman, the rulers of the world and that whole governance system in his confrontation with Pilate, etc. So the cross proposes we live in a moral universe created by a moral God, and man's departure from God has placed him in opposition to created order and in contradiction to man's own destiny where the universe itself and God in particular testify against us, condemning us to eternal exile and concerning that, that there exist undeniable ordinances like the law of gravity created into our universe as an outworking of the expression of this moral God that these ordinances, laws of the universe, were against us. That moral powers and authorities, not just demonic ones, but also then demonic principalities and powers, whose time is limited, thankfully, now to this heaven and earth. But it says in Colossians, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, so he's dealing with both of these realms, the whole encompassing realm of a moral universe created by a moral God. Has he quickened together with him, having, for, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And you've heard us say we, many of these things, if you don't have the power of the cross, the epicenter of glory, make sure you get a copy. And in fact, Charlotte, I wanted to give, Pastor Mahesh and I wanted to give this one to you and your sweet hubby. This is for, uh -huh. yeah, this is for you, a little pre-Easter present. Charmaine, sorry, I, I did that the first time too, didn't I? Yeah, thank you. I think I wrote in there. Um, and Grace, I want to give you this one. This is a, a fresh copy of The Glory of the Cross and a little hardback. And I know you're a reader, and I think that one will last even better than a paperback. We love you, Grace. You're welcome. Praise the Lord. Um, but... Uh, one of the things that you've, you've heard us um, say talking about the cross is that the work of the cross enters into and makes full provision for the needs of every family in every area of life. The religious and spiritual or temple, temple life where he made atonement for sin, the legal and law court where there, he made justification for our righteousness, our home or family where he reconciled us to the Father, and the marketplace, our life in public where he redeemed us. He, he offered the purchase price for us. 
So the accomplishment of the cross is all-encompassing. And that's why in every question, every opposition, every difficulty that you face in any aspect of your life, the cross is there as an end to that opposition and to release to you victory in Jesus' name. So as I was reminded last week that there is an art form that has depicted somewhat sufficiently what happened at the cross, Mel Gibson did it in the Passion of Christ. And so I wanted for us just to be able to see these images because in truth, in studio art and sculpture and stained glass and so much of the church's religious art, the reality of what happened at the cross is really not presented. You see a, you know, a, the body of a very slim, light-colored, weak-looking individual with maybe a little, you know, stream of blood on a forehead where the thorns were or maybe from his hands or feet but that's not what happened when it says that he was wounded and bruised and chastised punished and whipped for us he was indeed and in every one of those strokes there was something happening eternally cosmically personally, individually, and corporately, once and for all. And when Jesus gave up the ghost, when he died and said, it is finished, truly, it was finished, once for all. Every legal claim against us, every threat of disease and the end of a mortal life, particularly death, every centimeter of separation from God, every bit of exile from human community, it was finished then. So we can enter in. And as we move in the next couple of weeks towards Passover and Easter converging on the calendar, we can be an especially joyful people, knowing that we possess the truth, the reality for every human need for all the revelation of who God is. And for the answer in our current time to every opposition. He was crucified, dead and buried. And we died in him. The corruption in creation and the cosmos in a mystery came to its end. And we know that it was in order that new life be introduced, which we will talk about. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you. You gave your son. He was crucified. 
dead and buried, was resurrected on the third day. We declare by his stripes, we, your people, are healed. Lord, we'll give attention to your word. We'll incline our ear to your sayings. We will not let them depart from our eyes. We'll keep them in the middle of our hearts. For they are indeed life to those who find them health to all flesh. Thank you for every promise. More than ever, we understand that it is by His stripes, our wonderful Savior, by His stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. May we all receive fresh impartation from the wonderful example of our Savior and Lord. Why don't we all stand up if we can? Thank you, Lord. Say, say after me, Lord, thank you for your promises, for your word, that our Savior was truly crucified and died, was buried. By his stripes, we are healed. So I will attend to your words, Lord and incline my ear to your saying. I will not let your promises depart from your, my eyes. I'll keep your word in the middle of my heart. For I realize there are life to pour me and health to all my flesh. Give it all the glory and praise to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at one 800 730-6264. God bless you.